We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And the 49ers are headed back to the NFC Championship. Makes me very happy to be able to jump on here and say that just for the sole fact that the positivity and the energy that this podcast has sort of built up over the season, or at least I feel like it's built up, all by my lonesome with the uh, the support of all of you. Uh, it just makes me happy that this gets to keep rolling in a, in a positive light because, uh, you know, and not to mention the fact that it, it, everybody in here knows that it never gets old eliminating the Cowboys from the playoffs, especially when you get to do it two years in a row. Uh, I mean, the 49ers are just on an epic run right now. I believe that's their 12th win in a row. And uh, they need two more. They need two more. The 49ers have made it to the NFC Championship game every time they've made it to the playoffs. The 49ers have made the NFC Championship game six out of the last ten years. I mean, when you look at it from that kind of scope and that kind of perspective, it really starts to open your eyes how well this franchise done has done in that time frame. And it hasn't always been pretty. You know, you had the Tom Sula era, you had the Kelly era, and I say era lightly, but you also went from essentially Jim Harbaugh to Kyle Shanahan. And uh, with this win, I believe Kyle Shanahan has eclipsed Jim Harbaugh for playoff wins. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I'd have to get in there and, and add those up. But, man, good for the 49ers who, like I said, won a 12-19 to 19 game over the Cowboys in what was just a scrap from start to finish. Every single play mattered. At no point could either team relax at all. It was just one of those games that felt like a playoff, felt like playoff football. It felt like both teams went through it. It felt like every step on that grass made a difference. And it was, uh, and the 49ers came out ahead. It was nuts. I mean, I have, I'm in a 12 person fantasy group, and 
a f- uh, two of those people in that group. Actually, well, let's say f- two of them are brothers, and they are both hardcore Dallas Cowboys fans. Therefore, both of their wives are Cowboys fans with them. So four out of the 12 people in this group are Cowboys fans. Very passionate Cowboys fans, uh, both of which love to talk shit. And that fantasy group is literally melting down as I record. The two Cowboys fans are essentially lashing out at everybody. My only contribution to the conversation, because I've never been much of a, a shit talk guy. I can return it. If someone decides they want to go that route with me, um, I guess when you when you think about competition and the way I competed in all the sports I played, I guess you could probably relate me to George Kittle. The way George Kittle plays football is the way, not necessarily from a skill standpoint, um, but just his attitude. That's how I always was with sports. I always just tried to have a ton of fun and just whip people's ass in the process. But so these guys are this fantasy group is having a meltdown. Uh, one of the dudes that was catching strays was like, dude, I'm out of this league next year, man. Y'all are just getting too personal. One of the wives finally got on and was like, Hey, y'all need to calm down, go to sleep, sober up. Like, so, I mean, the 49ers are just causing meltdowns all over the country. And like I was about to say, my only contribution to that conversation was that picture of the girl looking at the camera, smiling while the house burns behind her. That was all I put in there. Didn't say a word. That was it. That was all I needed. It was nuts. It was nuts. It's. I mean, that game was nuts. You. I mean, you just got to start breaking it down play by play. I mean, the defense, I think that's kind of where you have to start because the Dallas Cowboys averaged 28 points a game throughout the season. The 49ers defense essentially held them to nine points. Although I know the end score was 12, but three of those points came off a fumbled, punt return by Ray Ray McLeod, which, you know, put them right there. They were immediately in field goal range. The 49ers defense held. And then Ray Ray McLeod took the, took the, uh, the ensuing kickoff uh, all the way out to the 53 yard line. So, you know, in terms of what the 49ers defense had control over nine points, which is just an unbelievable playoff performance. Um, the Dallas Cowboys only averaged 3.5 yards per carry on the ground, did not eclipse the 100-yard mark. They ended it with 76. Dak Prescott was completed 23 of 37 passes for 62%, 206 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions, a 63.6 rating. CeeDee Lamb still got his. He had 10 catches for 117 yards, but a huge chunk of those yards, 46 of them to be exact, came on a, a deep shot where he made an incredible catch. I mean, I'm not going to get into it right now. We'll talk about it later. I'm sure it'll come up. Well, I'll just get into it real quick and pass it on. I'm not sure what the solution would be, and I'm not sure introducing more rules into the NFL it would solve it, but I've really kind of had a bone to pick on how like a DB is expected to run with a receiver, and then the moment a ball is over underthrown, the DB's flagged for pass interference because the receiver just stops and the res- DB runs into him. It's exactly what happened to Diamondo Lenore, who clearly redeemed himself. We'll talk about that. But it, you just see a lot of like, it almost feels like a cop-out pass interference call where the ball's underthrown, and that's what causes the defensive back to collide with a receiver that's all of a sudden putting the brakes on. And if you watch Lamb's uh, catch, which, like I said, was an incredible catch, he puts on the brakes and 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 puts his shoulder into Lenore, and that creates the space he needs to then go up and catch the underthrown pass. And to me, it's like, 
man, I, I don't, I'm not sure the defensive back is interfering with that play. Like if the ball is criminally underthrown, then it, it, to me, it should almost be treated like a jump ball in the end zone where they don't really flag players for pass interference. But anyways, not going to get into that. It just seems, I'm sure y'all guys know what I'm talking about. It's like the, the pass interference on the underthrown ball just seems like it's almost to a point where it's exploited. It's such an easy flag to draw. It wouldn't surprise me if those get more and more common as offenses realize just how easy it is to uh, to pull them. So uh, the Dallas Cowboys were, offense was 100% bottled up, and really they only have had one drive. They had one touchdown drive. That was 14 plays for 79 yards. The 49ers were in position to get the Cowboys off the field several times in that drive, weren't able to get it done. But every other drive other than that, you had a started the game with the punt, interception, touchdown, interception, punt, field goal, punt, field goal, punt, game's over. And I believe that field goal to open up the fourth quarter uh, was the Ray River Cloud field goal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no, that was the middle of the third quarter, excuse me. So... Uh, a, a very, very, very solid game for the 49ers defense. They didn't get to Dak Prescott as often as they'd wanted. They only had one sack all game, and that was late in the game from Samson Ebukam, late in the fourth quarter, to really dash the hopes of 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 Dallas at having any realistic chance at a, at a normal drive moving down the field. Uh, the 49ers were only charted as having four quarterback hits. Nick Bosa was credited with one of them. Uh, they... If in terms of pressures, I would be interested to see Pro Football Focus's numbers on these. I don't think they even had them up yet. They might, but the 49ers definitely created a lot of pressure. They definitely made Dak Prescott uncomfortable. You had a number of highlight plays from the defense. You had a, a, an early interception from Diamondor Lenore that set the 49ers up with a field goal. Then you had another tipped interception as Jimmy Ward cut in front of a pass, tipped it up to Fred Warner. Almost a carbon copy of the pick of the stick where um, I want to say it was Brown. Who was the cornerback that, that popped that up into the air? Completely blanking on that one. I, I shouldn't be. But um, and then it pops up into the air. Navarro Bowman obviously takes it, and returns it to the house. Now, Fred Warner didn't return it to the house, but it was almost a mere image of that. That thing I'm actually of or I'm actually bringing up a, a video of the pick of the stick right now just because I want to I want to make sure I know who that corner was it was just such an, an epic play that I don't want to uh I don't want to misrepresent it I was there I was at the game uh, I felt like that place was gonna was gonna fall apart uh, I still couldn't really see who it was <laughs> um let me see here we go watching it 26 popping into the air here comes Navarro Bowman out of nowhere um, it was Brock. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. It was Brock. That's who it was, not Brown. Um, so a very similar play. Jimmy Ward cut in front of the ball, tipped it up into the air. Warner kind of caught it and off the deflection and just took off for a little bit of a gain. Um, whatever. You had another. I'm just kind of going through the highlights that the defense have created. Touchdown, Diamond interception where he just perfectly broke down and cut in front of a route. Dak Prescott was moved off to the spot by, or, or hurried up by Eric Armstead, I believe. Um, Yamador and Nunor picked that off. You had a, the, the Ward tipped ball in interception by Warner. You had Diamador Lenore flag for that PI, which I, we talked about. But again, it's, it's so hard to fault a defensive back for a receiver putting on the brakes 
when you run into him. Fred Warner had another one of his patented deep coverage uh, pass breakups in perfect coverage down, down the seam, um, kind of in a post over the defense on C.D. Lamb. Uh, C.D. Lamb got his hands on it, but Warner was exactly where he needed to be to keep that from being completed. That is an impressive feat for a linebacker as huge as Fred Warner and as good as Fred Warner to be covering a receiver like that deep downfield. It's crazy. Reminds me of uh, of Hollywood Brown. Um, obviously, Ebukam put kind of put the, uh, the the exclamation point on the defense's defense's efforts there late in the game with a sack on third down. Uh, the the team's only sack of the uh, of the entire of the entire game. There was a really weird play. The Dallas Cowboys first drive, uh, first play of the their their last drive with 45 seconds left. Um, Dak Prescott got pressured. He rolled out to his right. Eric Armstead had him dead to rights in the end zone, and he just walks up and pushes him. And at the very first, and I wasn't even like outraged. I tweeted, "Why didn't Eric Armstead tackle?" Dak Prescott, if he tackles Dak Prescott in that situation, it is a safety. 49ers are awarded two points. They're now ahead by nine, and the 49ers would get the ball, and that would be the game. It would be over. Pending a uh, an onside kick, I'm pretty sure you can still onside those kicks, but it wouldn't surprise me if you couldn't. Um, but when you go back and look at the play, Armstead's coming at Prescott. Armstead already confirmed after the game that he didn't want to get flagged for roughing the quarterback, which tells me the league has done way too much uh, in regards to quarterbacks, been way too sensitive in regards to quarterbacks for that to be even in, even in, even in Eric Armstead's mind at that point, when Dak Prescott has left the pocket, uh, escaped out to his right and is trying to throw the ball in his own end zone. But what Prescott does, I believe is kind of pump fakes. And I think Eric Armstead was completely shocked by the idea that Prescott pump faked in his own end zone with Eric Armstead in his face. So Armstead kind of comes just just runs up and shoves him, but not realizing that Prescott had Prescott had pump faked, had kept the ball, and then eventually lets it go. So it was just a really weird play for Armstead. Obviously, you, you, it's easy to say he should have just deleted Prescott, and he probably should have. But in that moment, the last thing you want to do is give that team 15 yards and a first down when you've got them pushed up into the end zone and. I said Ebukam's sack was the exclamation point. Maybe the exclamation point truly was uh, Jimmy Ward just absolutely deleting Turpin in the Dallas's whatever attempt to create some last-second magic to end the game. Uh, on offense, I mean, you have to. I have to start with. I have to start on offense with Robbie Gould. Robbie Gould made four field goals. He had, he accounted for, you know. <laughs> 12 of the 49ers, 19 points. I guess you could say 13, including that extra point. Um, I wish it told me on this website what his longest was. I believe his longest was a 50-yarder right there at the end of the half. Uh, I mean, the 49ers do not win this game without Robbie Gold. They do not. I mean, it's it's obvious to say that, but he just was the absolute MVP of this game. Robbie Gold has not missed a field goal in the playoffs, so it was pretty incredible to watch him put on that performance and the 49ers again just get the absolute pleasure of relying on a kicker as good as Gould uh in the playoffs and it's 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 a an embarrassment of riches to have a kicker that can do those things and uh and he just deserves massive credit for that game hopefully he got himself some sort of a game ball you had Brock Purdy who continues to author this Amazing story. I'm not going to talk too much about 
each individual player because we still got your takeaways, and I'm going to jump into those really soon. But the fact that Brock Purdy played this game and didn't turn the ball over against one of the best defenses in the NFL, still managed to complete 65% of his passes for over 200 yards, 214 to be exact. He averages 7.5 yards an attempt. He got sacked twice. One of them was in the very first drive. And I, I said to the people I was with you, that could not have started any worse for the 49ers because the last thing you want is Purdy getting frazzled and nervous in the pocket and he gets hit right in the beginning of the game. But just like he's shown, he did not seem... He, the poise. The poise that he's shown is unbelievable. And he, he didn't seem frazzled at all. Uh, he did everything he needed to do. He wasn't perfect. He had a near interception. The near interception, though, was off a tip pass that was a great RPO read to Brandon Ayuk uh, over the middle. Would have been converted for a first down. I think they ended up scoring on that drive anyways. But, uh, you know, a little luck involved there. Not that necessarily, like I said, it was a fault of Purdy's. 49ers only managed 3.5 yards per attempt on the ground. They did eclipse the 100-yard mark. They had 32 carries for 113 yards. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, 14 carries for 51. Christian McCaffrey, 10 carries for 35. Um, Just an overall really gutsy effort from the offense that did what they had to do to just keep the chains moving. And obviously the defining moment for this offense was getting the ball with, um, is is authoring that 10-play 76-yard drive at the beginning of the fourth quarter for a touchdown that gave them the lead. And then, then they came back after that, the very next drive, 13 plays, 64 yards. They got the ball with 11 minutes on the 49ers last real drive. They got the ball with 11 minutes and the drive didn't end until three minutes and four seconds. Just could it have been more surgical? Could they have scored? Uh, Yes, that would have pretty much iced the game, but it was just, When the 49ers had to have it, when the 49ers offense had to have it, you had two long drives, one going from the third quarter into the fourth quarter and one taking up a huge chunk of the fourth quarter, both of which accounted for 10 of of the 49ers, 19 points. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. And, And it wasn't that Kyle Shanahan was just running the ball. They did run the ball a lot, but in, in key moments, Brock Purdy completed passes. He completed a, a, a pass to Ayuk on third down. He completed a pass to McCaffrey on third down to keep those chains moving. It was uh, it was an impressive effort from the offense. It wasn't pretty. They can I, and I said pretty. I didn't say pretty. It wasn't pretty, but it was what they had to do to get the win. They'll be able to. They'll go into next week's matchup against the Eagles in the NFC Championship, knowing that they have a lot of room to grow, and the Eagles are no slouch. So let's waste no more time. Let's wander over to your takeaways. I want to start throwing these in there. Um, I'm scrolling down on the Twitters. Here we go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Um, I think we started at the top last time, so let's start at the bottom this time. We are still here. We are still doing takeaways, and it is the second to last week slash game of the season. Robert Logan starting us off. Brock Purdy impressed me tonight. Easy game to make a big mistake when the Dallas defense was all over him in the first half, but he didn't turn the ball over and made sure his team stayed in the game. If he turned it over even once, this game could have easily went to the boys. Couldn't have said it better myself, uh, Mr. Logan. That I mean, that is 100% true. You would think if Purdy was going to make a mistake, if he was going to crumble, it would be in the divisional playoff round against one of the best defenses in the NFL, and he didn't. Did he light it up? Did he destroy him? Absolutely not. But neither of those teams were able to generate the type of offense that we thought they would. But keys to Mr. Logan's post, keys to Robert's post, he didn't turn the ball over. Next up, and we got AG saying, media saying 49ers having, having a chance against Philly. Said that about the, the Giants in 2010, too. The 49ers absolutely have a chance in Philly. I mean, it would be it would be silly as hell to act like they don't. Now, that being said, go take a look at the Eagles season. They have been crushing people all year. 24-7 against Minnesota. 24-8 against Washington. 29-21 against Jacksonville, who ended up being a playoff team. Close game against Arizona, 2017. 26-17, Dallas, 25-13, Pittsburgh. Um, lost one to Washington. That was their first loss of the season. 40 to 33, Green Bay. There's a lot of points there. 35 to 10, Tennessee. 48 to 22, New York. 25-20. And a couple of losses, but you had Jalen Hurts out there. So um, and then obviously beating the Giants in the playoffs 38 to 7. Just an absolute ass whooping from from start to finish but i mean you're talking about the 49ers now which are 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 unlike any other team in the nfl in terms of what they can do on both offense and defense 
and 49ers traveling into a hostile environment. So a uh, lot to talk about there. Tim, my takeaway is Dallas has not been a conference title game since 96. The Niners have gone three out, have gone three out of the last four years. The Cow Pies franchise are losers. Yeah, you tell them, Tim. You, you let them know, those Cow Pies. Jesse Noel, the legend of Brock Purdy, continues to grow. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And again, was it flashy? Was it, um, you know, was it a Tiger Bomb all over the the Cowboys defense? No, it was not. But he did exactly what he had to do and made some very key throws and some very key points to this game to keep drives going that just maybe the 49ers wouldn't have had. Um, I would definitely say the legend of Purdy continues to grow. Dougie, Dougie McVlady. Uh, a lot of American sports media crying in their beer because America's team kicked knocked out by the 49ers again. I've never appreciated <laughs> the America's team nickname. It's just like, no, like you're like, nope. We got a lot of teams. We got 32 of them in America. Sorry. Uh, it's just always been stupid. It's dumb. And uh, maybe that's, maybe that's karma for, for allowing yourself to adopt such a stupid nickname. Go Niners. That's the, that's the Twitter name. Niner mania 99. Defense balled out when we needed them to compared to last week. Yeah, you look at the 49ers schedule. I don't even know if I pulled it up here. I should have. But over the last couple weeks, the defense has just given up more than you'd like to see them give up. Now, it is the playoffs. You are facing better teams. But giving up 23 to Seattle seemed like a bit much uh, considering how they played them in the past. But they were fine. And then you've got games before that where they gave up 34 to Las Vegas in overtime. That kind of had a, had some people wondering what the hell was going on. But other than that, you know, I think a lot of this, you know, return to form type narrative all comes from that Las Vegas game. I mean, they only gave up 13 against the Cardinals. Now, yeah, that was a, that was a backup. But 13 nonetheless, 23 against Seattle seems like a bit much. But when you're talking about one of those plays being a bomb to DK Metcalf when he broke by Traverius Ward, it's it's a little easier to stomach. And then allowing 12 points out of the Dallas Cowboys, which was really nine, really tells you that this defense is is right where they need to be in terms of what they they can do, what they can do. Let's get back to the takeaways. John Talley, Bosa's name was not called once and we still won the game. That's true. Bosa did not do much. Uh, I believe this is one of the first times he's been held without a sack in consecutive games um, since maybe his rookie year. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, that's a couple games in a row where Bosa hasn't done anything. But if defenses are going to sell out to stop Nick Bosa, other people are going to start winning. And you still saw Dak Prescott under pressure quite a bit. So that's good. Maybe we can attribute some of that to Bosa. That's for the uh, the offensive-defensive line guys to uh, to figure out. And let us know publicly on Twitter. DJ4467, big low-scoring game when we grinded it out against a better defensive team than we have seen. Showed why we were able to win in any style. We need more pressure on D in Philly. Yes, they do. They had Dak Prescott moving around. They had him scrambling. They had hit him a few times. But in the in order to win, in order to win a game like that in Philadelphia, you're going to need him on the ground. Um, so it's it's something definitely to improve on. Darren, Brock wasn't much different than his other games, but Cowboys got quick pressure without blitzing. That's every quarterback's Achilles heel. O-line needs to stabilize to beat Philly. Yes, Philadelphia's got a great offensive line. I believe they lead the NFL in, in sacks, depending on which website's tracking them and what they and how they track them. But, um, yeah, the 49ers offensive line is going to – this was a good lead-up to the Philadelphia game. 
Um, in a lot of ways, the Cowboys defense is better than Philadelphia's. And what they had to prepare for against Dallas, not necessarily schematically, but the level of talent that's going to be coming at them in waves was good for the 49ers to get this and and know that they need to uh, sharpen up just a little bit on a, on a semi-short week uh, moving forward. Shorter week than what the Eagles are going to have by a day. Young Guns, enjoy the win first. LOL. Uh, as opposed to what? I, I am uh, first. Enjoy the win first, and what? Like, what's second? I mean, we can enjoy the win and talk some takeaways. Let's go. Uh, Kashawn, concerning that this pass rush didn't get there today against the Cowboys, no Eagles line is even better. And that that's also a good point. The Eagles offensive line sort of, from what I could tell, put on a master class against the, the, the Giants. Now, it's not like the Giants are coming at them with what the 49ers will, but they still need to get home more often than that, and they're still going to be dealing with a quarterback like Jalen Hurts that can really make you pay on the ground if you lose discipline, which Dak did a couple times. Uh, Mark Dane, big win, but the Eagles will not lay down easily. Yep, absolutely. Glad to see some calls go the Niners' way, but they will have their hands full with A.J. and Smith. That is the ultimate test right there. A.J. Brown, uh, Devontae Smith, um, Dallas Goddard, just a lot of talent there, along with a, a very confident run game. So, yeah, the Eagles are – I mean, it's the NFC Championship game. Everybody's good. So it's going to be a challenge for the 49ers for sure. Um, Purdy needs to get past the jitters and let loose like he did during the regular year. Defense won that game. I mean, it's tough. I'm not, I wouldn't even necessarily, I'd have to go back and watch the game in its entirety. I wouldn't even necessarily put it up to jitters. Like he was just under pressure a lot and he was having to try and create plays and create space. And that's tough to do, man. That's tough to do uh, against a, a pass rush as relentless as his Dallas's that features somebody like Micah Parsons that can just run down any player in the league. It's uh it was a tough test, and and he, like I said, probably wasn't as, as I don't know, definitive as maybe it would be in an ideal world. But sometimes you got to grind those out, and sometimes you got to win ugly. So, um, the other thing that I want to talk about when you're talking about AJ Brown and Devontae Smith is the fact that Diamador Lenore looks like he's coming into his own. You know, he he had an interception there. I'm not really holding him too much at fault for the the pass interference slash giving up the catch to CD lamb one. That was an incredible catch. And I already talked about kind of the difficult situation. Those corners are in when it comes to those pass interferences. So, but the Lenore is playing well and, and it's not necessarily, is it enough to handle a receiver like AJ Brown, Devon Smith? I mean, they, they've been torching everybody. So, but knowing that that Lenore has got his confidence, he kept the game ball or kept the ball that he intercepted from Dak Prescott. Knowing that he's got that confidence going forward, it's that's a good thing. Texas is a woman's volleyball school. Oh, got you. That's his name on Twitter. I didn't just randomly decide to say that. Ward ate Turpin's lunch so bad on that last tackle. Holy shit. Yeah, that was a hell of a way to end the game. You could tell the, the Cowboys were going to throw it to Turpin, who was going to like pitch it to the outside to Brown. I couldn't see who it was. Um, and Ward just got there too fast and just obliterated him. Um, David says, game plan, be persistent AF. Yep, absolutely. That's my game plan. That's the 49ers game plan. And they they just hung in there, man. Like, they just kept coming after Dallas. And it was just enough. Like I said, holding the Cowboys to what was realistically nine points, that's unbelievable. Shizzo Stroll 
Is that the least amount of points Dallas has scored all year? Let me know. Nope, they they scored three week one versus Tampa Bay. My have the tables have turned there. Uh no, they oh no, that's that's win. 17 28. Yeah, uh then they they shit the bed against Washington in week week 18 with six. So one of their lowest scoring games. Uh let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Um Shizzo stroll. This game was physical. We are going to have to play like that next week. I would not be surprised if next week's game was felt exactly the same. Chad Arnold, another milestone for Brock, his ability to make plays and most importantly, protect the ball, won us the game. I think it was Greg Olson who said it. We aren't winning in spite of him, but because of him. How do you think a day less of rest will affect us in Philadelphia? It'll have an effect, but we Philadelphia just played last night and 49ers played this afternoon slash night. So, I mean, it's one more day of rest. It's one more night's sleep than the 49ers are going to get. But, I mean, you're in the NFC Championship game. There's The 49ers, I don't believe, had any injuries coming from the game uh, outside of Charles Umenahu, it's I don't want to downplay that. He's going to have an MRI on his oblique uh, slash abdomen tomorrow. We'll hear more on that. Uh, hopefully it's not a big deal because he has been outstanding. Um, I'm not really sure how to, how that last day's rest is going to manifest, uh, manifest itself at all. This 49ers team just doesn't sh- seem to get affected by shit like that. That's how you win 12 games in a row. And, and again, that atmosphere is going to be so hostile. And it's going to be cool to see how this team responds. So, Graz, I'm, not, I'm, in, I'm now exhausted and tired. I'm going to bed. That's it. That's the takeaway. I, I feel that a lot, bro. <laughs> Um, I may go to bed right after this. I may try to hop on some escape from Tarkov. We'll see. Um, I may just peruse around Twitter, see what everybody's saying. Um, but yeah, I, I feel that dude. It was, that was one of those games that were, like I said, every snap mattered. Every play mattered. Every snap on defense, every moment of that game mattered. And that is an exhausting brand of football to play. Niner hot takes. Even with Bosa not creating pressures and getting sacks, the whole defense showed why they're number one. They did. The fact that that defense showed that they could still find success without Fred Warner consistently disrupting half the plays is is a solid hat tip for them. Uh, now, moving forward, you just want to see Nick Bosa disrupt more plays, but that is not going to be any easier at all against the... Now, now to Bosa's credit, he did draw a holding penalty on the very first offensive snap of the game for the Cowboys, which was good to see. You thought there might be more. Uh, I think that was it. Milo, Dallas defense was for real, and Purdy and the Niners still got it done. A real live chance of winning the whole thing. Let's go. Uh, a, two, a, a game a game away from the Super Bowl. Two wins away from, from ho- hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. I mean, it's an incredible story with Brock Purdy at quarterback. It's just they're at the steepest part of the mountain. Dr. Disrespect. Uh, we're at the tippity top of the mountain, but we're literally only halfway up. Um, the 49ers are literally only halfway up. Uh, if you consider what lies ahead for them, they've got to go to Philadelphia and beat the Eagles in what will probably be at night. Uh, let me wander over here. Let's see. Um, Philadelphia weather. Let's go see what it's going to be like in Philadelphia next week. 
Um, the just just what Google pops up at the top for Philly, PA. It's Saturday and Sunday. Um, partly cloudy, high of forty-seven, low of thirty-one. Sunday, high of forty-nine, low of thirty-nine. That's like Bay Area weather right now. Uh, that so if that holds, then that's that's great news. Very low chance of precipitation, five percent. Yeah, so um, a little bit of wind, not a ton. Mostly cloudy, high of 49, low of 38. That's good news. That's good news. The four, it's nothing the 49ers aren't used to playing in outside of an atmosphere. That's going to be no joke. Uh, used Goat, A Christmas Story is a Christmas movie. No shit. I mean, I, I agree. I agree. But uh, did you know that they... Did you guys know they like remade the Christmas movie or created a movie that was like a continuation of it? I haven't seen it. I don't know that that movie nests, but... Dude, goat, that is hilarious, man. A Christmas story is a Christmas movie. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna like that just so I remember it. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Uh Jeffrey K. Lyles. Man, I just love seeing the same names over and over. JF2 Fresh, Lyle, Jeffrey K. Lyles, Jamasta, used like it's just, I mean, all you guys in here, it's so grass that consistently jumping these takeaways. You really are a significant part of this podcast. So back to Lyle's movie files. After the 90s torment, beating the Cowboys and Packers in the playoffs will never stop being sweet to me. Brock didn't cost us the game. D played pretty much lights out. Two more wins to go. It's a great point. As much as it sounds like an insult, the fact that Brock didn't cost the 49ers the game is one of the best compliments you could give him against an elite defense. Elite defense. You're talking about playing a defense that is capable of doing everything the 49ers defense just did. But Brock made the throws he needed to make in key moments. The defense was able to pound the ball in key moments. And again, didn't cost you the game, didn't turn it over. Mike, what time is it, McCarthy? Uh, it's a picture of the game being 6-3 to three in the second quarter. This is what it looks like when two great teams play in the divisional round. A very close game, totally blown. Once again by the Cowboys, absolutely hilarious clock management. Let's see how we stack up against Philadelphia. House money. House money. I like that idea. I think the 49ers probably would disagree. They think it's their money, you know, like that's owed to them. But at the same time, I understand what you're saying in the fact that it's, you know, the 49ers and where they are is so improbable considering they've lost two starting quarterbacks this year. And then here, here they are. Um, I mean, some of that stuff in the end of that game was pretty funny by the Cowboys. You're talking about, you know, Dalton Schultz forgetting to put his right foot down. Dak Prescott running around and trying to extend plays when they just didn't have the time to do it. He he should have been sacked for a safety if if Armstead would have just been a little bit more quick to react to that, and the game would have been over. So as far as just managing the game, it really was. And I know um, Guy Haberman on the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast talked a lot about McCarthy's inability to manage these types of games. I'm not necessarily sure how much, how many mistakes McCarthy made, I guess you could say. But um, in terms of just the team as a whole, which he's responsible for coaching, they just seemed unprepared for those, those insane moments. Speaking of unprepared and not really being unprepared, but how about Brock Purdy's throwaway with one second left in the second quarter so that the 49ers could kick that 50-yard field goal um, to go up into halftime. Like, that was uh, (laughs) – 
He, he, and he said after on the press conference that Kyle Shanahan got after him at the sideline because he said, look at your first read. If he's not there, throw it away. Purdy looked at his first read, then went to his second read, which I believe was Debo, and then threw it away. And he was lucky that that ball got, got into the hands of someone on the sideline before the time expired. JF, too fresh. Let's effing go. Great defensive game all around. Blood pressure was high, but love seeing the team just battle. Purdy has some timely completions. And that unbelievable catch by Kittle was legendary. Bang, bang, victory Monday. It was a legendary catch by Kittle. Purdy was rolled out to his left, went back across the field, which is a huge no-no in quarterback land, but found George Kittle, who'd created space and was streaking over the middle. Kittle tipped it up a couple times, hit himself in the face with the ball while sprinting full speed, and then finally reeled it in just as a Cowboys defender came cutting across his face. Um, Probably will say to himself that he made that way harder than it needed to be, but it was still a one-handed catch on a ball that was thrown out in front of him to extend the drive. Pretty unbelievable play, and the 49ers scored on that drive. So um, just uh, just the stuff of legend. That, that, I agree. That is the stuff of legend. And George Kittle, man, um, five catches for 95 yards in, in a game like this is massive. You just got to understand what those five catches means in a game where every yard is worth double of what it normally is because of what the defenses are are trying to do. It's uh, it was a hell of a performance from him and really uh, inserting himself into that, that 49ers great category. And we'll see what we get next week. Alan Chi Brock had a similar game to last week. Wasn't great, but did what he had to do. Maybe made some key throws and most importantly, suck at Dak, no interceptions. D-line and O-line really need to play better versus Philadelphia or it's not going to be good. Um, The Philadelphia's defensive and offensive fronts are both among the best in the NFL. So, yeah, the 49ers know that they're going to have to clean some things up. But, again, doing what they did tonight against the defense as good as Dallas's, I think really gives them a lot of confidence uh, moving forward. Michael McVay. This was a true test in the Niners' past. It may not have been pretty, but it wasn't supposed to be. Purdy and the zero, Purdy and the O came through when they had to, and so did the defense. This was all battle and grit. Bring on Philly, go Niners. I like that. The O came through when they had to, and, and I, I we talked about it earlier. But I agree. You go to their possessions, and in the fourth quarter, if scoring those ten points to uh, to give yourself some distance from Dallas was just massive. I mean. In the fourth quarter, the 49ers had a 10-play drive for a touchdown and a 13-play drive for a field goal that both, if you combine them, eclipsed um, almost an entire quarter of football between those two drives. That is the stuff that wins games in the playoffs. Omar Figueroa, always awesome beating Dallas, especially if it means the Niners are going to the NFC Championship. Brock had some rookie moments. But the weapons around him and the defense did enough for the W. The great season continues. It does, man. It does. Uh, the great season continues. It's just been so fun to watch and cover and talk about. The 49ers just are so good at keeping things interesting. Um, I very much appreciate them for that. Michael Holst, last and certainly not least, Coach Holst. Uh, need to establish a run to set up play action and avoid getting the obvious pass situation. Michael Holst coaches for Clovis West which is um, the high school that my uh, middle school leads into, going from Kasner to middle school. They did an absolutely outstanding job this year, um, taking them to the Valley Championship game, falling short, but 
um, what they've been able to do with that team and the young talent that they've had and kind of molding them into a team that can work together and win games. Um, um, him and Coach Brown have just done an awesome job. And it was really cool to – I tried to go to as many of their games as I could this year and uh, to watch them do what they do. And it was a bunch of great coaches that I learned a lot from. I'm looking forward to going to more uh, next year. It's just when we play on Saturdays and, you know, uh, with the lady in the house, I've, I've got to show her some love. So it's not always easy to make those Friday night games. But, man, very few things compared to the Friday night lights. Um, but yeah, it, it was, when it came to establishing the run, you could tell, and, and why wouldn't they, that the Cowboys were, were daring the 49ers to throw the ball. They have a rookie quarterback, mystery relevant. Let's stop the run that we, we know what the 49ers are. We know they're going to want to do that. It, it's no doubt that the 49ers are going to want to run the ball. Obviously Kyle Shanahan would prefer that over having to trust Purdy in a moment like that. But Purdy responded, and the, uh, what I was happy with in terms of the 49ers is that they kept committing to the run. They didn't try to get away from it. They just kept running the ball, and you really saw that, saw that start to wear down Dallas in the fourth quarter. If you were to take just the fourth quarter statistics, let me punch them up right here. Just in the fourth quarter, the 49ers carried the ball 13 times for 49 yards, that's 3.8 yards per carry. And at that although that doesn't sound tremendous, just think of what 3.0 yards per carry means when you're running the ball almost every play. That's 7.2 yards um, going into third down. That's leaving you with 2.8 yards that you need. And if you're holding true to that average, then you can etch away at that game. You can death by a thousand needle points. And that's what the 49ers did in the third quarter. Let me go see on here what they did in the third quarter. Um, in the third quarter, they rushed the ball. See, this is and, – and you combine these two, and it was really – the fact that the 49ers committed to the run so steadily in the second half. In, this, in the third quarter, they had eight carries for 37 yards. That's 4.6 a carry. And then, obviously, in the fourth quarter, you had Christian McCaffrey's rushing touchdown. So – I think that the 49ers could have been tempted to get away from the one, could have been a, could have been attempted to throw the ball more, but they're going to need more than that against the Eagles if they want to avoid turning loose that Eagles pass rush. That is just an absolute unit. Um, so like Coach Holst is saying, it's all about, you know, hopefully you can get into the four-point-something yards of carry and set up those third and shorts where you can either run the ball again or you can throw it in some advantageous situations. You know, if 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 you can get more than that, you can set yourself up with some second and shorts where you can throw the ball kind of with impunity and really test that defense. That's the kind of stuff the 49ers are going to need. Is It's just the flexibility to where it doesn't lock you into uh, getting into these obvious passing situations that Coach Holes talked about. But, all right, that's the end of our takeaways. And, um, I'm trying to look through here at my highlight plays. Um, the Kittle one-hander, we talked about that. Ray, 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 Ray Ray's fumble on that punt return was a huge play in that moment. It gifted the Cowboys three points. But it was good to see him respond on the very next series with a 53-yard return. Um, at one point, Elijah Mitchell forgot in that very last drive that he needed to get down. If he would have gotten down, the Cowboys would have had it about probably 15 to 20 seconds on that last drive compared to what I believe was 45. But obviously it all worked out. Purdy finding Ayuk on third down over the middle. McCaffrey on the quick slant on third down. 
Um, even on the first play of that last drive, um, right before the two-minute warning, uh, the 49ers knew that the two-minute warning was going to stop the clock anyway, so they elected to kind of surprise the Cowboys' defense with a with a pass, and Purdy hits a strike to Kittle over the middle for 17 yards. That tells you that Kyle Shanahan trusts this quarterback. Against all logic, against – that doesn't mean he doesn't want to run the ball. It's You need to be a well-rounded offense, but – when the when their backs up against the walls and when the rubber meets the road, Kyle Shanahan is okay with Brock Purdy throwing the ball in those key moments, you know, and, and risking turnovers, just all the things that can crop up from from a badly thrown ball or deflected pass. And even in that moment, he still trusted Purdy to throw the ball. And uh, that is impressive to me. They even had Purdy throw the ball on third and long um, right before the, the game's final field goal, he, he, he was a short pass just left into the into the flat, you know, to uh, you know, and essentially running it on the perimeter. But the fact that he trusted him to do that in that moment, it, it just tells you that Kyle Shanahan is running this offense um, how he wants to run the offense with 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 Purdy. Now that uh, and Kyle Shanahan. For a, for a, a much of this game, looked like he was kind of getting getting handed to him a little bit by his former by the coach he he Dan Quinn that he formerly coached under in again the Falcons on the Falcons team and, and Dan Quinn looked like he was taking Kyle's lunch a little bit but the, again the 49ers stayed consistent they stayed committed to the run and it paid off in the second half. Um, I think that's all my highlight plays. I think we've hit everything else with your takeaways. Again, Robbie Gould, perfect in the playoffs. Just an absolute MVP. We will be on here later this week. We'll see if we can get KP back on here again to break down the Eagles roster in more detail and what the 49ers are going to do to uh, punch their ticket to the Super Bowl, which, as we know, is in Arizona, a place the 49ers are very familiar with playing. Um, If you didn't, I mean, I'm assuming you watched the AFC matchups. It'll be Chiefs. And the Bengals, who who beat handedly beat the Bills, um, it'll be the Chiefs and Bengals. It'll be the 49ers and Eagles to punch their tickets to the Super Bowl. But again, I'm happy for everybody here. I'm just happy that you guys are happy. I'm happy that this podcast needs to gets to continue these vibes for another week, man. And hopefully it continues on after that. But whenever this ride ends, I just um, I want you guys to know that I appreciate all of your support. And I appreciate how much all of you have contributed to what this podcast has become throughout this year. Because although I, I do owe you guys a, owe you guys a co-host, it's not something I'm ignoring. I'm not planning on taking this solo forever. The fact that you guys have kind of stepped in and, and given given this podcast just a little more interaction um, as we kind of sift through the uh, the pieces, I guess you could say, it means a lot. It means a lot to me, and I appreciate it. Um, so again, I'll be back on here later this week to break down the 49ers and Eagles in the NFC Championship. Yep, you heard that right. Thanks, guys. Please get on there and leave us a a five-star review if you feel so inclined, if you feel we've earned it. Um, Keep listening, keep downloading, keep passing on the word, keep supporting the pod. I appreciate it. Uh, But, I mean, all good things must come to an end. And for now, for this episode, we've got to get out of here. So um, I'm Rob, and as you guys all know, this is Striking Gold, and we're signing out.